Well, I, I asked you at the beginning of our time, again, to think about that question, what do you do when you're guilty? That's going to be the question that frames much of our discussion together today. So I'm going to ask it one more time for now and ask you to seriously consider it. What do you do when you're guilty? How do you try to make things right? That's the question lingering behind everything Paul is saying. How, how do we make things right in light of our guilt and all that we've done? What's the answer? Now, I don't know how you answer that question, how you seek to, to balance the scales or make things right. I, I'll, I can only speak for myself, although I think um, maybe some of what I'll share about myself also applies to most of us, uh, maybe you listening. So let me just give you one example from my life. This is something that happened five years ago now. Five years ago, my wife and I had taken a little day trip. We dr drove out a few hours from the suburbs here to a state park where we just spent the day hiking. And it was a wonderful day, a hot day. By the end of it, we're exhausted. And uh, so, so we were driving home uh, at the end of this hike uh, down this country road. We're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, my wife is sleeping next to me when uh, all of a sudden I see lights, uh, police lights behind me. And uh, I knew right away that this was for me. Uh, There's no one else on the road that, that could be for. And so I, I, I pull over and a million things start going through my head, right? I remember the first thing I said, I shook my wife and I said to her, uh, we're getting pulled over. And uh, she reminds me of this often. She looked at me and said, no, you're getting pulled over, <laughs> right? She was asleep. I was the guilty one. And in my guilt, there are a number of things running through my head. Uh, the first is denial, right? I, I, I denied that I'd done anything wrong to myself. I, I thought to myself, no, I'm a good driver. I, I, I don't speed. Um, that, that's not who I am. They, they, they must, their, their machine must be broken, right? And after denial, uh, I, I began then to diminish it. Okay, like, okay, maybe I was going a little fast, but not that fast. And, and, and didn't that police officer see the other guy a, a few minutes ago going like 30 miles over the speed limit? I was only going a few over the limit, and, and the limit is way too low for this country road where there are barely any cars, right? 50 just doesn't seem fast enough. I, I began to diminish my problem. But then after that, after the ticket comes and there's really no denying it anymore and you see the little readout how fast uh, they had you clocked at, right? Then, then comes the despair. And you begin to think to yourself, oh, oh no, I thought to myself, I, I've got a perfect record. I had never and should mention still since then have not been pulled over. Um, but I thought this is a blemish on my record, right? This is going to be on there and, and oh my goodness, I, I never thought I would get pulled over like this. But then, of course, comes the determination. I remember I had a long drive to make the next day, and I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going to let this happen again, right? I am going to be a perfect driver uh, until a few years from now when, when that's finally kind of worked off of my record. I'm going to make up for the wrong that I did. I denied it. I diminished it. I despaired over it. And then I became determined to make it right and to balance the scales. Uh, that's just one example from my life. I would guess, though, that those are some pretty common reactions, maybe not in any sort of order or process, but I would guess that maybe you've been there too. In your guilt, you've denied it. You've thought to yourself, no, I, I didn't do that. That's not who I am. Or you, or you dismissed it, right? You diminished it. You said, well, it wasn't really that bad, and I'm certainly not as bad as some other people. Don't you see what, what everyone else is doing? I'm actually pretty good. Or, or maybe you're someone who despairs over your guilt. You know it. And uh, you, you've recognized your mistakes and, and your sin, but you think, I'm hopeless, I can't be fixed, I've tried. 
and there's just no hope, no helping me. Or, or maybe, maybe you're someone who has become determined to balance the scales. You, you know that you're far from perfect, but from here on out, right, you, you're going to make it right. And you're going to do enough good that outweighs the bad. Well, those are some of our reactions to our guilt and how we seek to, to make things right. We think we can make it right by denying it uh, or by dismissing or diminishing our problems. Despairing it never seems to help, but, but maybe we can, in our determination, balance the scales. The, the truth is, our, our reading for today reminds us, without a doubt, that we are guilty, right? And, and maybe, as you heard Romans chapter 3, you were thinking to yourself, this is a reminder I did not need, and, and maybe you thought to yourself, this is not why I came to worship this morning, I came to be encouraged and uplifted. In op opening words, we heard things right, like, uh, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Right? There's no denying it. Our, our reading for today makes that clear. And there's no diminishing it. Right? We, we had verses like verse 23 that say, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us have reached the mark uh, or grabbed the highest rung of the letter. We've all fallen short. There's no diminishing it. Uh, we, we know that despairing doesn't really help things. But we were also told in our reading for today that no amount of determination can balance the scales, right? We heard this in verse 28. We, we heard, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. No amount of obedience and observance to the rules can make us right with God. And, and so it seems to be that, that all of those things that we so typically do when we are found guilty, they don't really help. I want to switch gears just a little bit uh, from that. I, I promise we'll get back to it. <laughs> and, and we'll see what God calls us to do when we're guilty. But I guess what I'd like to do for a minute is just to switch gears and ask the question, what does God do when we're guilty? Because we've been trying some things, not really working too well. So what is God's answer? What does God do for guilty people like us? Because again, remember, the reading says that we are all guilty. That, that we are living in this world that is just a mess. That's kind of the picture Paul paints for us here today, isn't it? And, and so the main question is, well, what does God do when we're guilty? But there are some other questions underneath it too that our, our sin and our guilt creates, right? Like questions about God's justice. If God is a just and a right judge, if he is totally holy in other, then, then he has to enact justice, right? There must be consequences, and, and evil and, and sin must be punished. So, so is God going to do that? How is he going to bring that about? In light of our guilt, how is God going to rule with justice? That's one of the questions that's kind of there in the background and, and, and we ought to be considering. Uh, the other question is, is a question of God's faithfulness. Right? How is God going to remain faithful to his promises? Because ever since the beginning, I mean, stretching back to, to Adam and Eve, to Noah, to Abraham, God has entered into these relationships, these covenants, these agreements, these promises with his people, right? And, and think about especially the promise to Abraham. And God promised Abraham that through him that, that all nations would be blessed, right? It was always God's intention that the entire world would come to experience his grace and his mercy and have a relationship with their creator. God wanted that for the entire world. 
But in God in his infinite wisdom chose to, to work through, to, to, to uh, enact that promise through one family, right? Abraham's family, the Israelite family. The Israelites were going to be the, the conduit of his grace and his mercy. They were going to be the ones that were entrusted with the law and, and all the blessings of God. And, and that they were going to reflect his heart for the purpose of, of welcoming in all people. Oh, that was God's promise. But, but if you remember how the story of the Old Testament goes, the, the Israelites didn't do a very good job of living up to that calling. They failed. They disobeyed. They turned away from God and turned towards idols. And, and, and that creates somewhat of a question, right? Is, is God going to keep his promise when, when the conduits of his promise have totally and completely and utterly let him down? Uh, you can think about it like this, this mess that's created and some of the questions that are swirling. Um, Think about it like this. One day you're sitting at work and uh, the, the co-worker who usually sits in the office or the cubicle next to you, uh, they're not there. It's 9 o'clock, it's 10 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock, they still haven't shown up and this is a big day. Like there's some big project or deadline out there and so you're, you're getting kind of worried for them but maybe also a little upset and uh, eventually your phone rings at your desk so you answer it and it's your co-worker. And you got all these questions for them, right? Like, where are you? Why didn't you call? Don't you remember what's going on today? And uh, there's just silence on the other end of the phone. And slowly they begin to tell you that they're embarrassed to admit that uh, they're in jail. They've done something. And it doesn't matter what it is, but they need some help now, right? They need you to post the bail so that they can get out. And uh, you know that you don't have the money for this, like this is beyond you. But you also know that your, your boss, who is just and good and right, is also merciful and kind and loving. And, and so you go to your boss and you turn to her and you say, you know what, uh, my coworker here, he's not here because he's in jail. Can you help him? <clears throat> and because she's kind and, and just and merciful, maybe she says, yes. I'm, I'm going to get him out of jail. I'm going to post the bail, but I'm going to use you. Uh, so here you go. Here's the cash. You go down to the jailhouse and get him free. And so cash is placed in your hand and you head out the door and into your car. But instead of going straight to the jail, right, you, you begin to do all the wrong things. You use that money given to you to buy yourself lunch. You stop to get a big flat screen TV that you've always been wanting for the house. You buy some concert tickets online. And pretty soon you've wasted all the money and and, and maybe all along the way, you've been taking selfies of your adventure, pictures of what you've been doing. And, and then you get caught, you get pulled over for texting while driving. And, and so pretty soon, you're in jail with your friend, right? And, and think of the mess this has created. And it's posed some problems, some questions, maybe is better said. Like, like what is your boss going to do? In light of your guilt, how are they going to react? If they are just, well, then there must be punishment and there must be consequences for this utter and complete mess that's before her. But also there's the question of her faithfulness. She promised to get your coworker out, but she said she was going to do it through you and you've totally let her down. So how is she going to keep that promise that she made and is she going to keep it any longer? Uh, this is similar to the mess that is presented to God, right, in light of our sin, the mess that we've created. How is God going to act with justice and, and will he be faithful? What is God going to do with our guilt? Well, the answer, as, as we hear today, is, is simple and it's beautiful. You know what it is. It's Jesus. You see, it's in Jesus we're reminded today that, 
that we see God's justice. God is just, and, 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 and sin is punished, and there are consequences for sin. But, but it's Jesus who receives it all. It's, it's Jesus who pays our pride and price and, and, by, and through his death cancels our debt. It, it's Jesus who is abandoned by the Father so that we never would be. It's, it's Jesus who dies on the cross so that we can live forever. Justice was enacted, but it's Jesus who bears all of that pain, all of those consequences, all of that punishment, who pays all of that debt so that we might be forgiven and set free. Jesus is God's answer to the question of justice. Yes, he will be just through his son, Jesus Christ. And then there's the question of faithfulness that Jesus answers too. Yes, God will remain faithful to his covenantal promises. Yes, God will continue to welcome in all people to his everlasting kingdom. Yes, God will bless the nations. And yes, Israel failed, but, but Jesus did not. Where Israel was faithless, Jesus is faithful. Where, where, where Israel wandered and wavered, Jesus was obedient and firm. Jesus, uh, Israel, reduced down to one is the one now through whom God will enact all of his promises. God will be faithful through his son, Jesus. So what does God do in light of our sin? How does he make us right in our guilt? Well, he sent his own son to be everything we could not be, to do what we could not do, so that we would no longer be guilty, but that we would be forgiven and set free. It kind of makes us wonder, though, about that original question, right? And that's what I want to close with today. The question I asked at the very beginning. Well, what about us? What do we do now in light of our guilt? We've seen what God does and, and how beautiful and amazing that is. Praise be to God that, that for our guilt and our shame and our sin, God sent his son. But what about us now, right? Again, we, we know what we have been doing, denying, diminishing, despairing, de, determines to, to balance the scales. We know that hasn't been working. So what do we do now? Well, again, the answer is simple, and it is beautiful. It's, it's faith. As God's people, we are people of faith. We are people who, who believe and trust and who cling to and hold on to Jesus and all that he's done for us. We, we live lives of faith, believing that, that, that in Jesus God has enacted justice and, and sin was punished and evil was overcome. By faith, we believe that we are forgiven. By faith, we believe that... That, that we have a new identity, that our sin and our, and our shame and our guilt does not define us, but the love and the sacrifice uh, of the cross of Jesus Christ does, that we are his beautiful and beloved sons and daughters. In light of our guilt, we live lives of faith, focusing all that we are on Jesus. Uh, you could think of our lives of faith uh, kind of like this. Uh, <laughs> bear with me here for this example. Uh, the lives uh, of faith is, is like this. Um, so uh, some of you know that we have a new baby at home, which means one thing. We take a lot of pictures. <laughs> uh, not a day goes by, uh, some weekends when we're both around, not a, an hour goes by without us trying to catch a, a cute moment of our little baby and, and sending them off to family. Um, we take a lot of pictures. And so every once in a while, I will... Uh, I will go to take a picture of our baby, pointing my, my camera, my, my phone, at her. Uh, when I, I open the camera app, though, it's on selfie mode, right? And so, so instead of picking up the cute little baby, all I see is my ugly face. <laughs> and it seems to me like uh, most of us, 
we are living our lives in selfie mode, right? That's kind of the default setting where we are living and, and working and serving ourselves. We're, we're trying to overcome our own problems. We are totally focused at the face staring back at us in the mirror. And that can be fun for a while. It might even work for a time, but you live your life in selfie mode for long enough, no matter how many filters you have on there, and you begin to see all of the warts and, and all of the moles and all of the wrinkles and all of the saggy skin. Uh, you live your, your life in selfie mode for long enough, and eventually you see that you have sinned and you are guilty. But you know, God calls us to live uh, another way, a, a better way. He calls us to, to turn the camera around, uh, in a sense, and, and turn our gaze outward. And, and instead of living in selfie mode, to, to fix our eyes on Jesus. He, he wants us to, to turn our hearts and our minds, our ears and our eyes on the cross of Jesus and all that he's done. That's what living a life of faith means. It means we're focused not on ourselves anymore, that, that we are defined not by what we do or have not done anymore, but, but that it's all about our Savior, that by faith we look to him. I think it needs to be said that this life of faith we lead as we trust in all that Jesus has done, we also trust in what Jesus has called us to do. Right? Living a life of faith doesn't mean that we say, oh, it doesn't matter what I do anymore, because the only thing that matters is what Jesus has done. No, Paul reminds us at the end of our, our reading that we continue to work hard and do good works. Right? Listen, listen to what Paul said at the end of our reading. He said, do we then nullify the law by this faith? That is, do we just forget about God's commands? and Do we, do we not care about being obedient just because we have faith? And, and Paul says, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. When we, when we believe in Jesus, we believe in what he's done, but we also believe in what he has called us to do. We, we believe that his way and his will for our lives is the best way, that it's for our good and the good of our neighbors and for the glory of God's name. And so just because we live these lives of faith focused on Jesus doesn't mean we stop doing good things. And in fact, it, it probably means we do even more of them because as we're focused and fixed on Jesus, we see all that he's done. And we begin over time to reflect that, that way of living to the world. So what do we do when we're guilty? Again, we know what we have been doing. Denying, dismissing, despairing, determining uh, to, to overcome it on our own. But let's remember today what God has done for our guilt. He sent his own son, Jesus, to, to be the one who would enact his justice the one through whom he would remain faithful. And as his children, in light of our guilt and in light of what Jesus has done, we believe, we trust, we have faith in Jesus. In his name.